But we're in. This is it. This is Barbenheimer. We're talking about Barbenheimer. Men talking Barbie. Yes. And Oppenheimer. Men on Barbenheimer. It's me, Grant, and you, Jack. Hello, hello. It's uh It's us. It's us. It's certainly been a weird weekend for movies, but it's been an exciting weekend for movies, I think. Now, I was expecting this exciting weekend to be last weekend with Mission Impossible, but uh that wasn't really what happened. The movies are back. Uh, no, not yet. The movies are back. Now the movies are back. Barbenheimer means the movies are back. Mission Impossible just a little, a little too early. Could have kind of could have hung out. I think also Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One didn't help. Whereas Barbie was just like maybe that maybe there will be a Mattel Cinematic Universe variety and other. Uh, online news sources are being like, okay, well, Barbie's just the beginning because Viewmaster, the movie series, is coming. Get ready for Viewmaster. But it's just like, well, Barbie seems like that's just a movie. Like, I can go just watch it. And Oppenheimer, probably, maybe it's setting up the, you know, Albert Einstein cinematic universe, but probably it's just, these are just movies. But they're also, they're interestingly to me, they're both IP. Obviously, Barbie is IP. She's a toy and a franchise. And so on. But Oppenheimer, you know, it's a real guy. It's a book. It's it's not it's not a original. It's not Disney's Pixar's The Elementals, which is um, an actually original made for the screen concept that did, you know, however well. And, and you know, the movies were doing just fine. Super Mario Brothers has made a bazillion dollars. Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, also a bazillion. Part One, incidentally, also a bazillion dollars. But Barbenheimer, it's the summer of Barbenheimer. There's no question and both theater going experiences for me and my wife were interesting and fun they were both packed houses um the barbie screening a lot of people dressed up i think that was like there was a big it was like a cultural event barbenheimer like everybody was wearing pink or floral things going into the theaters and in groups so did you experience anybody dressing up for oppenheimer because i only saw so much pink so much uh, cowboy outfits for Barbie. I've mm-hmm. seen online people doing Oppenheimer things, like a bunch of dudes wearing trench coats or whatever, but not in person. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I would be nervous if I saw a bunch of dudes wearing trench coats. I still have the the flashbacks to when that meant, oh, God, we're going to experience death uh, now. <laughs> I am become death. I guess maybe that would be... Uh, maybe appropriate. No, I didn't see. I guess I. I was like, I wore black. I tend to wear black clothing, but you know, I guess what would be the what would what would be the outfit for seeing Oppenheimer? Would it be it has fat to surgery? Be that hat. Where you just remove all fat from your face? <laughs> um, it has to be uh, dye your hair black and pretend you're a teenager. Yeah. Just. <sighs> I, I'll get into that later, but that pretend a 50-year-old man is 16 by just dyeing his hair black was something else. <clears throat> so there's there's a lot to talk about with both movies. I, I think we were pretty excited to talk to each other about it because you saw both movies, I think, the day they came out, or you saw them like a day ahead of me. Like I, I saw them opening weekend, uh, and you saw them opening weekend as well, but you were like... Just a I think it was about hours 24 ahead. hours ahead of you on both of them. <laughs> I went to Oppenheimer Thursday night, did the IMAX screening, and I did Barbie Saturday night. Uh, okay. There's no so IMAX did, version. so We did Barbie first and Oppenheimer second, so I'm curious. But I think we ended up liking 
both movies, like we ended up having similar ratings, which I guess we should just say now what we thought of both movies and then we'll get into them more specifically. Uh, but yeah, what was what was your reactions after seeing Oppenheimer and then Barbie? So when I left Oppenheimer, I was sitting there like, I, I think I liked this movie. It felt a little different for Nolan, and I'll get into that a little later as to why that's a good or a bad thing. But it was three hours of very intense conversations, and I was engaged through the entire thing, but I really felt every ounce of those three hours. Barbie, on the other hand, was a just absolutely brilliant comedy. I have I had no walking out of the theater like, oh, was that an okay movie? No, that was probably one of the best movies I've seen this year. I think it also leaves you... Barbie is super, super funny. And I am still blown away, and I've been saying this to anybody who will listen, that the movie ending on a knockout joke punchline. Do we spoil which, that joke? I, I, We're going to assume that you have seen both movies, but out of, you know, I, and I'm okay with spoiling plots, but I think jokes, I always am hesitant to like specifically, but I will say that the final joke is great because it's, it is sort of the obvious joke you would make about Barbie. It is like uh, the joke about Barbie that the movie is sort of, it's a very, it's the heart of the story and the themes is the joke. And you don't think that this joke is coming because they already do a version of the joke earlier in the movie. It's all a callback. So you're like, oh, they've already done it. They've already kind of addressed that component of Barbie up front, essentially in the trailers, so that when they come back around and bring this call back at the at the very end, it for my screening and for me personally, it was just like that as a, a stand up would call that a closer, right? Like that is that is like a joke that kind of brings the house down, and then it's credits, and it's great because movies, I feel, and even Oppenheimer, but movies in general are always like particularly this year, right? With several part one movies, they're ending on cliffhangers or they're ending on something that's setting up the next thing. It's not ending in a way that is as definitive as that joke, which you could say, well, then maybe that's implying a sort of sequel where we continue to follow the Margot Robbie Barbie now with, I guess this is spoiling the the joke now with working genitals. Um, But Probably, or I, I don't know. That wasn't my thought. My thought wasn't like, oh, the sequel's going to be about her getting a period. Like, it was more of just like, oh, that's such a funny, like, way to, yeah, she's the human Barbie now, and she has to deal with the complications of being in a human body, a human, a, a woman's body in a human form. She's no longer a doll. She has transcended. And uh, yeah, like I said, the, the theater loved that joke. I loved that joke. And I thought the jokes throughout were so funny. It was great to not have the, like the trailers did give away. I wish I hadn't maybe seen all of the jokes from the trailers, but those were generally all kind of front loaded to the beginning of the movie. And then, yeah, I just thought it was like really deft and really just witty, charming, quick on its, you know, it just felt right. It didn't feel like there was a lot of clunkers. It didn't feel like, for example, uh, I watched, uh, there's an, I may as well just name the movie, but uh, so there's a movie on Netflix that's, based on a webcomic and a graphic novel that's very funny called Nimona. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's uh, it, the joke, the specific jokes in 
can you know in that movie I, I was like yeah they all kind of feel a bit tired of a bit like we've seen these sorts of things before like they they they're cliche it Barbie felt fresher right so something I guess within Barbie that I found interesting is that a lot of the jokes are targeted they're not things that are could come across as clunkers are only clunkers to some people like this this was something my partner brought up to me when we were talking about the movie afterwards but a good litmus test to ask somebody is which barbie joke attacked you personally uh for me (laughs) it was uh the mansplaining photoshop and uh the entire character of the duolingo dad because <laughs> it you know the movie's funny in its writing it's very funny also with its performances ryan gosling steals the show right like it's it, to the point where it's like I'm, like I'm kind of sad to say it but it's like the the men uh and ryan gosling in particular is like you know he's funny in the nice guys but he has not really been featured in a comedy like this that I, a crazy stupid love, I guess would be the other example, but it's like a revealing performance of like, Oh my God, Ryan Gosling has amazing comedic timing. And, uh, the whole like Ken revolution. I don't know. My, my, uh, my wife, Ashlyn keeps pointing out that I have Kennergy when I'm explaining things about Batman or Sonic the Hedgehog. And then I'll catch myself like, what am I talking about? Why are, are you interested in this and sort of you know that's yeah let's listen to a playlist i made and then talk about batman what are you sorry barbie ryan gosling's character was kind of a revelation for him but i really don't think it works without margot robbie's barbie bouncing off of him that he they're both equally important to the jokes as they go along if he is just sitting there saying these jokes to a wall i don't think it works um that said the uh i'm just ken song could win an oscar it might i could definitely yeah we'll certainly see it performed right probably at the uh oscars or the uh oh i would i would love to see that them somehow get that entire lineup of Ken's up there on stage and going i'm just ken anywhere else i'd be a 10 thought that was a pretty yeah it was pretty fun everybody's funny in the barbie movie ryan gosling is a is a breakup performance margot robbie is so we've seen margot robbie be super funny and like and balance a lot of these things in i think past roles but she's like at the full strength of her powers it seems like here michael Sarah. similarly again you've seen him be funny and awkward in things before but again, he's just it just feels really right uh and simu lu is uh also like just just every you know we were watching the greta gerwig and noah bombach movies prior to this and you can see again but it's interesting to see them working within the 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 box i guess of ip and then seeing the reactions to again if this is a movie that i feel like is important to like keep ourselves grounded that it's a movie it's a toy movie it's mattel is producing it's like Super Mario Brothers. It's a IP movie to raise brand awareness. And if it's a good movie, then great. And in this case, it's a great movie. So good, you would think. But the responses are also very like, well, I'm just looking at Metacritic between Barbie and Oppenheimer. And to 
because I, I share your view. I think it, I think it's like Barbie was a clear win, and Oppenheimer I think is good. Like I really liked Oppenheimer, but it wasn't as fun. Clearly, obviously, it's not trying to be as fun, and it, I don't think it was as compelling. Or I just think Barbie is the better movie. Yet the critics don't agree. The meta score for Barbie is eighty compared to eighty-eight for Oppenheimer, and then the user scores, which is maybe more revealing, eight point nine for Oppenheimer but 5.3 for Barbie. And there's 453 negative reviews for Barbie and 508 positive reviews. And yeah, I mean, this seems like it's like a misogyny thing or a culture war thing or a Ben Shapiro is uh, many dummy accounts. Yeah, the the, the, the misandrist. I mean, really, even just (laughs) scrolling for like a second and I see a comment that says, deeply misandric. It has some jokes that land, but overall, the ideological discourse devours every last bit of plot or possibility of enjoyment. Maybe they're not saying it in that voice, but it feels uh, right. But a comment above it um, from Penny Spy 55 public comment. One point for amazing production design. Very unimpressed by the rest of it. Camp is best done by John Waters. Oh, so only one. Okay, but she goes on or Penny Spy 55 goes on. He wouldn't have had a lengthy rant telling the audience how bad half of them are. As a woman, yes, really, this was depressingly divisive. It really ne- felt like this was made by someone who has never been hugged by a nice man or met one. It's just sad. I left it feeling sad. Is that the point? Marketing for this was also brilliant. I thought this would be a mashup of Enchanted and the Lego movie and just expected at worst it would be predictable. But women, we can do better than this wine fest. Men aren't all that bad, really. Also, the world building felt lazy. It could and should have been explored more. What does it mean that there's a Barbie world that people can just visit? What about actually using it to solve world issues? Are there other worlds like this? A Thundercats world? I want to know. And that comment has received 65 upvotes. Reviews like this frustrate me because the person is talking like they've applied some critical analysis to it, but they've applied it in like the wrong places. If you apply it, in any thought towards the whole like women versus men aspect of the movie, that's not the message they land on. It's not a women good, men bad message, which is just, it's so frustrating to see this. The The final message of the movie is don't be beholden to your peers. Be yourself. That's the message. Mm-hmm. And it's just, Seeing all this online is just so frustrating. It it does not require that much thought to get there. The movie spoon feeds you that message. Yeah, it's uh, and in terms of like the messaging to the America Ferrera monologue, um, well received, but also uh, angers people too because it's just it's like and people I I find it you know. some people are just like cross-armed offended of like, that's not true, right? But there's also, you know, I think perhaps the more fair criticism, debatable if it is fair or not, that, uh, oh, this is sho- this is telling and not showing. But I don't know that I agree with that either because it's like, well, the whole movie did show you like that. It's just directly stating the theme for the effect of it, for the power of it, which... I feel like it was powerful. I feel like it it did. I think it was very silly and very goofy, but it was also very uh, like these those emotional beats, particularly the America for Era monologue, like do land um, 
uh, or landed for me or for us. And, uh, but it can, there is like, um, it's not that it's a perfect movie or that it's beyond reproach or anything. Like it doesn't necessarily have, it doesn't solve the world's problems. <laughs> and that's almost what this comment is like mad at. Well, they didn't solve inequality with this movie about Barbie. They didn't, they didn't fix everything. But they sure so, made you think about it, and that made you uncomfortable. <laughs> that, that's the fucking heart of it, I think. It's interesting also, too, because Oppenheimer and Barbie are both made by um, husband and wife teams, although Greta Gerwig and Noah Bumbach are not married. They're long-term partners. Uh, Christopher Nolan and Emma Thomas are married and long-term partners and, and uh, producing partners. Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach wrote the script and I believe also both were producers and Emma Thomas produces all of the Nolan films. Um, but the way in which men versus women or the power dynamic between men and women uh, is very different in Oppenheimer where it again does seem to fall into the Nolan framework of, it seems like Christopher Nolan really enjoys the archetype of the let's all right uh, a man generally a white man a english man who is a genius but pragmatic can work in the real world genius uh but a bit prickly that's he really likes that archetype whether it's batman uh whether it's um leonardo dicaprio in inception or whether it's oppie oppenheimer uh, he seems to enjoy that. And then he also the it's been noted by critics that he seems to have trouble writing women, female characters. Uh, they And in this movie, it's... Uh, I think it really shows in this movie because generally his movies have this kind of... We have this cool concept structure and we're going to build something off of that and we're going to lean into the pseudoscience we're coming up with and do all the action scenes with it and all that. But because this movie explicitly ignores the science, pretty much any time we get on the science, we just see like a chalkboard full of stuff and everybody sits there and goes, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, no, that's great. That's, that's great. That's great. Or that's dumb. That's dumb. And then we move back on to the character repercussions of that. Uh, we spend a lot more time developing the characters, seeing what's going on in their minds, seeing what's going on in the world. And as a result, that really highlights his struggles with female characters. The two main female characters in this movie, one is uh, her breasts have more screen time than the bomb going off. And the other is reduced to a alcoholic mother until she's uh, spoon fed the, best monologue of the movie at the tail end the the boobies and oppenheimer are lovely boobies um and i don't know that anybody is really going to say that the boobies are great um i'm looking at metacritic and i don't see any mention um more than a biopic this is a Political thriller that points to the acts of vengeance, dark interests, and deceptions that build a government. Robert Downey Jr. is the star. He surely will get an Academy Award nomination. It's from Berto Bellamy. Interesting. That is, that's the first mention online I've heard of 
Robert Downey Jr. getting a nomination, which is a sentiment I agree with. Um, I'll I get thought he was great. Around. Yeah, I thought he was great. He's not the star. He's quite literally not the star. He's a co-star. He's a sporting star. So the common gets basic fact wrong. Um, and the movie itself, I think, is, um, you know, it's uh, there's other videos you can watch about the historical accuracies or inaccuracies or where, where it decides to spend its time. It's a movie called Oppenheimer. So it's about the man, you know, like it doesn't um, necessarily, you know, it doesn't. And it, and it seems like from my understanding is that it uh, is pretty forgiving toward him, his pivot to being a, a, a voice of nuclear disarmament is a bit exaggerated. Like he's, he was, again, he was, my understanding is he was for the bomb, for the usage of the bomb in Japan, uh, in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And, was against the hydrogen bomb and that was consistent till his death. Whereas the movie is kind of like, he sort of like showing that he had more regrets about his, you know, I mean, it, it ends on him. Another, here's a spoiler uh, and spoiling a specific line at the end, but we're wondering throughout the movie, well, what it was the conversation between Albert Einstein and Oppenheimer uh, as uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s senator is walking through. What did he? Why didn't Einstein acknowledge him? Why did he? Why was he cold in that instance? And it's because Oppenheimer is confessing at the end. He's like, I think maybe, maybe I did end the world. And maybe, so it's like, it's like, oh, he was carrying the weight of this. Um, and what a what a terrible, horrible weight, but perhaps a necessary weight. We wonder, or at least that's the propagandic message that is perpetuated here. Um, and, uh, and, you know, whether that's true or not, I mean, that's, it's all, it's conjecture. We don't know. It's, that's Nolan imposing his feelings and his, how he might feel. Yeah. The movie kind of does this turn, I guess, around the time that they're getting ready to do the tests where he, he's continually seeing everybody having strong feelings about like, Hey, is this a good idea? And he shows up and everybody shuts up but as we get closer towards the trinity test he has this it's not even really explained it's just like i guess he in nolan's eye he sees oppenheimer as having a change of heart around that time once he sees the destruction of the bomb or something there's a a sequence right afterwards, which has some pretty incredible sound editing uh, of him delivering a rousing speech while he's basically having a mental breakdown. I guess that's what Nolan was going for is public image versus what you truly think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the, uh, the full color, um, vision of the events and the black and white um portrayals and and yeah definitely like the the way in which a life can be sort of judged publicly by a very small handful of decisions or actions that don't necessarily communicate the wholeness of their humanity it's reductive 
Um, and so I think the movie kind of, yeah, I think you're right. That's where it wants to be exploring. And that's definitely an area that Nolan is interested in. And it's a theme that I think it's a Batman theme, you know, public versus private selves and portraying different versions of yourself to achieve maybe the same ends. Um, so it seems like, again, you could say it's in Inception and Interstellar. Uh, never saw Tenet, can't speak to Tenet, but it seems like it's a Nolan theme. So I think there's something interesting there when you're talking about the themes of the movie and that there's also the message of the movie. Now, when I say message, I'm not talking about earlier where, hey, Barbie is about uh, being your own person. And Oppenheimer is kind of a thoughtful, introspective piece. I'm talking here about what is the filmmaker trying to tell us? And Barbie has a pretty obvious message about culture wars and individualism and corporate messaging. But what? is Nolan making a movie about here? And I've been sitting here and mulling this one over. What? He has said, oh, I just find Oppenheimer a fascinating person. I think he's a really complicated man. But does that in itself deserve three hours of screen time? So what is he actually trying to make a movie about? And what I landed on after really thinking about it was that I think this movie might be about the idea of cancel culture, but he's telling it through the lens of Oppenheimer. The extent of him getting canceled in the movie is this security hearing where we have this kangaroo court and the people are handpicked to have bad things to say about him. And the message ends up being, you can screw up and lose everything. And what I think Nolan tries to say when it all comes around in the ending is that you shouldn't be judged for your mistakes, but your contributions. And he's trying to make kind of a convoluted message about how cancel culture might be bad. But I think he misses the mark a little bit on that, if that is, in fact, what he's trying to do, as Oppenheimer is essentially being canceled by the U.S. government, which is a little bit different from kind of what we see in the Twitter or X spaces, whatever you want to call them at this point, where it's essentially mob justice. This is cold, calculated revenge by one individual meant to ruin this man because he made him feel bad once. Now, all of that said, I don't actually think I have that right, because Oppenheimer, to my knowledge at least, has been a pet project of Nolan's for ages. He's been wanting to make this movie forever. I'd have to actually go back and do the research as to when the first, like, vestiges of this idea appeared in interviews and media. But when he had that relationship with Warner Brothers and made everything he ever did with Warner Brothers, this movie never really seemed to come to pass. 
However, once he had his very, very public falling out with Warner Brothers about Tenet and the movies and the pandemic, Universal appeared to show up and just go, hey, you want to make Oppenheimer? And Nolan jumped at it. So I don't know if what I'm saying is actually right, because whatever his reasons for wanting to make this movie is, you have to look back to what was the messaging that was important that he wanted to talk about back in 2003 or whenever it is that he started to talk about this. Uh, In any case, it's a long movie and it feels long. It's three. Is it three hours? It Uh, is right on the cusp. It's funny that there's so like so much of the marketing thinking about the marketing for Barbie and Oppenheimer and how it was unintentional, right? That was a, it was a fan developed idea barbenheimer because the it's not like it was a it's not like the studios coordinated on this warner brothers released barbie and universal i think right is who released the uh uh the oppenheimer movie is that correct? i believe so. i believe so I, I think so so it's and in fact it seemed like barbie was being released to cut into oppenheimer that it was warner brothers because Nolan was a Warner Brothers filmmaker, left publicly um, and, uh, you know, saying things that like Warner Brothers, by releasing all of their movies uh, during the pandemic, same day on HBO Max as this, you know, cut into the box office for Tenet, right? This was the disagreement with Warner Brothers. So he swore to not work with them again made Oppenheimer with a new studio. Warner Brothers releases Barbie. You know, it's diff- it's also just counter-programming, not necessarily anything nefarious about it, but uh, it's interesting because it just, it rarely happens even accidentally. Like, when is the last time that you can recall the same weekend for two equally um, exciting, big A-side movies it doesn't they tend to not they tend to try yeah they tend to try and avoid each other specifically so that they don't cut into each other's so this move the barbenheimer experience this felt like the internet took it and ran with it and somehow created this ball of momentum where i think they helped each other like would barbie have done 150 million opening weekend if it had the box office to itself would Oppenheimer have done 80 million if it had the box office to itself. I don't know. So you saw Oppenheimer and then Barbie. I saw Barbie and then Oppenheimer. We all collectively agreed the internet that both were worth uh, the theater experience. And I mentioned at the beginning, the theater experience was uh, both were credit theaters. Although I, the Oppenheimer one was checking my watch uh, for the length, interesting that the marketing also had like a ticking clock component to it, uh, but also because there were like where the Barbie screening that I was, uh, there were some kids, but it was mostly adults. And Oppenheimer, there were more teenagers just running around being on their fucking phones, and that's where it felt like, oh, the movies are back because I this is terrible. Get out of here. Uh, it wasn't at my usual favorite. Uh, Chain, so I was also uh, my usual favorite theater spot. 
But did you get the Nicole Kidman experience? Uh... Yes, one of them was AMC, and the other was. Were they both AMC? I mean, no. If they, if it was AMC, you were told heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Yes, yeah. and we are traveling to new places vis a vis Jurassic World Four. I think it's right to see them on separate days, right? Like you, you probably, you probably either order on the same day is going to be tough because that's. Like six hours of movies. Barbie is two hours, right? Barbie five hours walks out of two hours. Yeah, so it's, it's five hours of movies, which is a rough ride any day. I do think you should see them separate days. Um, the emotional fallout from either movie, I don't think lends itself to having a same day experience with that. If you walk out of Oppenheimer and straight into Barbie, you're going to be the, like, contemplative and depressed and then life is great with barbie (laughs) and also it's just like pace yourself you glutton like both of us rushed out to see them immediately and even so both of us saw them on separate days like just pace yourself allow yourself to sit with the movies a little bit you know you don't need to like just um burn the content into your eyeballs just to have consumed it can uh sit with it and enjoy it of course it's easier said than done uh here we are recording uh a podcast immediately to catch on to the barbenheimer but you know barbin it is unique again like this is not a something that happens frequently it is also unique in the sense of the movie theater communal cinema experience being a uh, phenomenon that you know took a break during pandemic and is now coming back and uh it's one of many instances of the movies being back and this channel this show the void is i think it's about movies we think it's about movies it's sort of about everything but it's really just about why are we doing this what are we talking about who cares why what are we what are we trying to do and both barbie and both oppenheimer are about the void they're both about death in very real practical terms uh so thinking about death is great fun that we will be enjoying with you as long as you subscribe to the void and keep hanging out with us let us know which one you think is the right one to watch first yeah and if you try any fucking smart ass shit in the comments i'm gonna congratulate you with a handwritten card uh because we'll appreciate the engagement Please give us likes. Yeah, and comments. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. This has been a journey into the place where your mind sits restless. A place lacking shape or form. A place where your every thought can expand into infinity. This has been The Void.